Well, good morning, Cross Point Church. How's everybody doing this morning? Everybody doing well? I tell you, while we were sitting here singing this morning, I just was uh, finding myself so thankful to God for our faith family. How many of you are thankful for your faith family this morning? Amen? Just being a part of, uh, of, of something that is much bigger than ourselves. And uh, I tell you, I was just sitting there thinking how blessed we are, just blessed beyond measure, and just thinking about the momentum that we're seeing today in the life of the church and, you know, just people's lives being changed, but also just people excited about what's happening here in, in the life of the church. I, I tell you, I am uh, still elated about our last series, Stronger, as we are coming off of that series and entering into a new one, just thinking about what God accomplished through that series on marriage and relationships and, and what He's still doing and what he's still, and how he's still working, in, uh, you know, as a result of that series. And so, I'm very thankful for just what God is teaching us, and what He's showing us, and and what He's doing. I tell you, our renewed dinner that we had uh, last week was just was really an incredible time for a lot of people. And so, uh, it's it's really just amazing to see God just working in such a, a huge way. God's still working out the details with Vertical as we move forward with building a. A future home for Cross Point Church, and I tell you something I've been very thankful for in the last couple of weeks is is the sunshine. Amen. Uh, I've been very thankful for the sunshine because it seemed like before that we we've just hit uh, just one rain shower after another, but but the the, the ground is drying out and uh, and and they're able to get out there. And I tell you, it just seems like every day there's a lot of uh, significant changes being made on the site, and uh, I hope next week to be able to bring you some some more updates on vertical, but I can just say this, that God has been faithful in working out the details of that, and we're still moving forward in such a huge way. This morning, we're beginning a new series called Come Follow Me, and uh, I couldn't be more excited about this series uh, than I am. I tell you, I really feel like God's going to continue to do something significant in our lives in the same way that the last series was about us growing uh, deeper and growing wider and growing stronger in our relationships, this series is going to be one that challenges us to grow deeper and wider and stronger as individual followers of Christ. It is my hope that in this series, as we prepare to dive into God's Word today and over the next three weeks, that we would fall more deeply in love with Jesus Christ as followers of Christ Jesus, as as disciples of his, that we would, we would really come to understand what it is about Jesus that we just love. And, and, and I pray that, that we would just really be drawn to him through this series, that we would grow wider in our impact as, as, as people who are called to make a difference in this world. And then ultimately, we would grow stronger in our faith as we have to stand firm in this life in so many different ways. And so my prayer as we enter into this series today, as we launch this new series, is that for each and every one of us as individuals that are sitting here today, that, that what God would do is use this series to impact our lives. And, and I'm praying that for you. I know as a staff, we have been praying over the last couple of weeks for really just revival to break out in our life. And, and you know, it, it's funny, I, I noticed that uh, that this seems to be the season where churches do revivals. But the reality is this, only God can bring revival into our hearts. And so I pray that God would impact our lives in a huge way, that God would begin to draw us 
unto himself and that through this series God would impact our our lives individually as followers of Christ. I'll tell you, Jesus said this in John 10 verse 27. He says this. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. My hope and my desire is that through this series that we could all learn what it means to not just be a fan of Jesus, not just to be someone who proclaims Jesus as our Lord and Savior, but someone who intentionally follows Him wherever He leads. And so let's pray this morning, and we're going to dive into God's Word together, and we're going to continue this time of worship through the reading and the preaching of His Word. So pray with me if you will. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit of God, Lord, we do thank You for this day And we thank you for this opportunity in which we can pause for a moment in this service. God, and dive into your word. And Lord, give you an opportunity to really impact our lives in a way that that hopefully all of us here, Lord, are desiring. God, I pray that you would draw us all unto yourself. That God, you would work in such a way that we would feel close to you today during this service. And Lord, as we think about who you are, Lord, we would be challenged to dive into your word and and to understand what it truly means to be a follower of Christ Jesus. Lord, there's no doubt that our Savior often challenged those who he was speaking to with these very powerful words, come follow me. And so Father, we want to know what that means. We want to understand it. We want to We want to grow in that truth and that understanding. Father, we love you and we worship you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. The book of Matthew has always been and continues to be one of the most significant gospels in my life. There's just something about Matthew that when I get challenged to to read the gospels, it's just where I go. And I don't think it's just because it's the first one. I love Matthew, and I, and I believe that the reason it, it, is so, it is so challenging to me, and it's one that impacts my life in a very personal way, is because of the times in my life where God really spoke into my life, it was in times when I was reading through the book of Matthew. You know, it's, it's, it's really amazing as we look at this book, and, and this actually is not even our text today, but I'm going to be referencing it all throughout the message today. As we look into the Gospel of Matthew, we see on the onset that Jesus begins with what we call the Beatitudes. In chapter 5 of Matthew, we see where where Jesus offers the Beatitudes. And this is really the blessings that Jesus sort of imposes upon the believer or the follower of Jesus Christ. He, 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 He begins by just saying, look, this is what a true follower of Christ Jesus really looks like. And then he moves into what we have come to know as the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount is a a sermon. It's Jesus' sermon to his disciples. But but what we see in in this gospel is as the story unfolds that Jesus has come and he sits down on a hill and he begins to teach his disciples. He begins to preach to his disciples. And as he does this, the crowds, they come and they gather. And so this Sermon on the Mount, which was really intended for 
to be a sermon to his disciples has turned into a sermon where he's preaching to the multitudes. And, and of course, we have it today to look at and to study and to understand uh, you know, our life as followers of Christ Jesus. And so we see this in, in the book of Matthew or the gospel of Matthew. But you know, Jesus reveals something very profound about humanity. In chapter 6, Jesus reveals something that I believe is, gives us great insight into our humanity. Jesus says here in Matthew 6, verse 21, he says this. He says, who, uh, excuse me, he says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. And it's in this, this comment that Jesus makes in his Sermon on the Mount that Jesus says something really profound about humanity. Jesus is talking about financial issues when he makes this comment. He's talking about our treasures on this earth when he says, when he says wherever your treasure is, he says, there the desires of your heart will be also. But what makes this so significant for us to understand and for us to process is that when Jesus makes this comment, when Jesus makes this statement, wherever your treasure is, there your desires of your heart will be also, he is basically saying this, whatever you value most, it will be obvious. Whatever you value the most, it will be very obvious to those around you. And I don't know about you this morning, but that challenges me. Because I, I think about my life, and as I think about my life, I want people to know that I love Jesus. I want people to know that, that what I'm most passionate about in my life is Jesus. What I want people to be aware of in my life as they examine who I am as a man, are not the things that I enjoy doing in, in, in my spare time, but the thing that I want people to know about my life is that I love Jesus and I love His church and I love God with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, and I love people. That's what I want people to know about me. And what Jesus is saying when He makes this statement is this reality. That whatever it is that we value, whatever it is that we treasure the most, people will most definitely know about those things. And that's a challenging thought to process. But I think it's one that is very valuable for us to understand because you see, history has shown us that what we value the most in our lives are basically three things. We value our time, we value our talent or our giftedness, our skills, and we, we value our treasure, our finances. Those are three things that humanity as a whole seems to cherish more than really anything else. And what's amazing is that Jesus, he often talked about these things, he often talked about the reality that, that those are things that maybe we need to sort of set aside as true followers of Christ Jesus. And that's what we're going to be seeing throughout this series is the importance that Jesus uh, made on really dying to self, dying to those things that we might naturally treasure and to treasure Him as followers of Christ Jesus. 
And so here we dive into God's Word this morning and we begin to see something. You know, history has, has proven, it shows, it reveals that our time is very precious to us. And what we do with our time reveals a lot about who we are. History has shown that that our skill sets, our giftedness, our talents, the things that that we're good at, they really seem to, to matter a lot to us. And so how we choose to use those things in which we are gifted tells a lot about who we are. There's, a, there's an organization called Doctors Without Borders. And there's something that's really amazing about this group of people because most of these people are doctors or, or nurses or other people in the, the medical field. And, and oftentimes when disaster strikes, this group will be some of the first that are on the scene. They go to, to war-plagued areas of our world and, and they give up their time to go and to spend time doing Uh, meeting the needs of people as it pertains to the medical field. Now, this isn't really a Christian organization. It's just an organization. But it's a great example of how people who who know that they have a particular skill set places great importance on helping others with that great skill set. And so it's a reality of ours that oftentimes we, we value that which we are gifted in. And what's remarkable about every believer, every follower of Jesus Christ is that God has gifted each and every one of us to use that gift for His kingdom. We'll be talking about that more in detail next week. But then finally, He also, and this is, this is where we, we need to understand as well, what we do with our money tells us a lot about what we value as well. Jesus had a lot to say about finances. In fact, it's pretty remarkable that he talked a lot more about that than he often did on other things. And so so it's very obvious that history shows that what we value most in our life is our time and our talents and our treasures. And so this morning, I want to dive into the first part of this series as we examine God's plan for our time. If you will, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1. Verses 3, 3 through 6. We're going to be looking at verses 3 through 6. Chapter 1 of Philippians. There's so much that can be learned from Paul's epistles to the Philippians. One of the things that we notice right away as we begin to read through the the, the book of Philippians, this letter, this epistle that Paul wrote to this church that gathered in Philippi was that he had a great relationship with this church. It's very obvious as you read through the words that Jesus, uh, excuse me, that Paul had this, this very good relationship with this church. And obviously, we know that Paul's commitment as a follower of Christ, I mean, it's no doubt as we read into the life of Paul that we begin to notice just how committed to Jesus he was. It's really sort of ironic, too, if we, if we study the life of Paul, seeing how he was so he was so adamantly against Christ and, and this movement that was sort of springing to life and, and then suddenly being changed, being transformed by the power of God in his life, being saved by grace through this newfound relation, uh, uh, faith in Jesus Christ. And so Paul moving from being a persecutor of the Christian movement to, to really being one of the, the most committed to it. And so we see this in the life of Paul. But Paul sees this commitment 
in the, uh, in, in the church of Philippi as well, to the Philippians. And we see this sort of we see this sort of revealed as he is writing this letter. There's so much to be learned here, but we're looking at just these few verses here together this morning. We see something that Paul reveals about the local church, and this is what I want us to see. Let's read this, if we will, starting with verse 3. The Apostle Paul, he says this, he says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Now there's several things that Paul begins to, to reveal here and he says that really strikes me as being a follower of Christ. And as we look into this letter, I'm, I'm pretty sure we're, we're going to be able to see this together. But Paul starts off here, and he says something to, in, in this letter that is, is really, really different than a lot of the things he says in his other letters to other churches. Paul starts off here in, in the, the first part of this letter, after sort of giving his little introduction in verses 1 and 2, he says these words. He says, I thank God. My God, in all my remembrance of you. And so Paul starts out, as he's writing this letter to the Philippians, he says, he says I thank God for you. I, I thank God every time I think of you, every time I remember you, I find myself thanking God for you. And I don't know if you've, how many times you've, you've read through Philippians, maybe you just sort of skimmed through this as being part of the introduction to, to this great letter that he wrote. But one of the things that really strikes me about this is just the reality that this is a little bit different than, than things he has said to other churches as he writes to them. Here we see the Apostle Paul, as he reflects on the Philippians, as he thinks back to them, he, he begins to, to think, man, he says, every time I think of you, I just can't get over it. I have to thank God for the work that you're doing. And so it's obvious that this church is doing something right. It's obvious that this church is, is, is living for Jesus because that's what's passionate to Paul. It's obvious that they are partnering with him in the advancement of the gospel. He even talks about that in this letter. And so it's one of these things where the apostle Paul, he, he, says, he starts off and he says, man, I am so thankful for this church and I love that that should grab our attention this morning because one of the things that we should be looking at if this is so pleasing to Paul the apostle Paul and no doubt pleasing to God then one of the things that we should be challenged to do as we read through this letter is say what was it that they were doing in what way were they living for Jesus that maybe is different than other churches? It's very significant to think about this because, like I've said, this is not how he often started out his letters with other churches that he was writing to. To the Galatians, he had some actually some very harsh words. He said in Galatians 3, verses 1 through 3, he says to the Galatians, in contrast to the Philippians, he says, Oh, foolish Galatians. A little bit different language here, isn't it? And so he says, oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Who, is, who has messed you up? He says, it was, 
Before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified, let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing with faith? Are you so foolish having been begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the, faith, uh, by the flesh? Paul is rebuking the Galatians here. And so as you look at the Galatians, maybe what you learn from them is what not to do. But as you look into the letter of the Philippians, you tend to see some things that maybe we ought to do as a local church. You know, one of the things that I love about this letter is the fact that, that in this letter, Paul basically says there's so much to be thankful for. There's so much to be joyful for. And, and one of the, the great things that we see in the life of the Philippian church, and I'm kind of chasing a rabbit here, though, is just unity among this, this group. I mean, these people were living for Jesus together they were living for Jesus together and so here we see this sort of unfolding you know to the Corinthian church and to the church in Ephesus and also in Crete there was there was issues that Paul really needed to address because they weren't truly following Christ the way they ought to be following Christ but in this letter here Paul says I thank God for you not because they were perfect now we know that it wasn't that this was the perfect church but what Paul is emphasizing here is that they were truly seeking to follow Jesus. One of the most significant stories in my life, one of the most significant stories that I read in, in the Scripture in Matthew was the story of the rich young ruler. I've shared this with you from time to time in different messages, but I can't get over it enough. I can't quit talking about it because it was, it was a story that I read in Scripture that was at a time in my life where I wasn't really being a follower of Jesus Christ. Oh, I would have proclaimed being a Christian and I was going to church. That's not what I'm talking about. But there's a huge difference in being a fan of Jesus, being someone who says, yeah, I love Jesus, than, than there is being someone who follows Jesus. And one of the things that we see over and over and over as Jesus interacts with different people in Scripture is this, this amazing challenge where he says to them, come follow me. And so what does that mean? You see, the rich young ruler, he came up to Jesus and he basically walked up to him and he says, hey, Jesus, I understand you're a great rabbi. You're teaching some amazing truths and I got a, some questions. I want to take my, my spirituality to the next level. And so, so I, I want to ask you, what, what can I do to ensure that I inherit the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus, knowing the heart of this man, he says, well, he says, well, why don't you just try keeping all the commandments? Why don't you just, you know, keep the law? And in and, 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 and a bit of arrogance, the man says, well, you know, I, I've done all that. I, yeah, yeah, I'm looking for the next big thing. I'm looking for the 10 steps to my happiness, you know. And, and so Jesus says to him, he says, because this man is very wealthy, he's very rich, he's, he's very consumed with self. And so Jesus would say to him, he would say, then do this. Sell everything you got. Give it to the poor. What does he say next? Come follow me. I remember reading that story and it impacting my life because I saw myself as the rich young ruler. Not because I was rich and I wasn't ruling anything, but there was a time in my life where what I was pursuing was the things that I saw as important and Jesus wasn't one of them. 
And as I pursued those things, as I pursued things with my time, as I pursued things using the gifts that that I had, as I pursued things using my money to pursue those things, Jesus wasn't really part of the equation. And as I read this story, I saw the story unfold. And if you're familiar with the story, you know how it ends. But when Jesus says to this rich young ruler, he says, well, then why don't you try this? Why don't you sell everything you got, give it to the poor, and come follow me. It says in the scripture that the rich young ruler, he says he, he kind of looked at Jesus. I could just see him kind of standing there like a deer in the headlights, his eyes blinking and not really knowing what to do. And it says that the rich young ruler, he turned away from Jesus, and he walked away, and here's what it says, he walked away in despair because he saw the challenge that Christ had put before him as being too great. Jesus says to this man, you want happiness, you want, you, you want life, you, you, want, you want to experience the fullness of God, then follow me. That's the thing you're not doing, follow me. And this guy says, I can't do it. I can't do it. What you ask is too great. The reason that story was so impactful in my life is because I was living at a time in my life where I was already in despair. You see, I'd been living my life over the last couple of years in despair, and I saw this story unfold, and it said that this man walked away in despair. I knew what despair felt like. I knew what the experience of despair felt like, and I didn't want any more of it. In fact, I wanted to get out of it. And so if the answer is to follow Jesus, if the answer is to come follow him, then I want to say to Jesus, then what do I need to do? What do I need to do? So here we see that that as Paul's writing this letter to the Philippians, he says to this about this church, he says, I thank God for you. And for me, as I try to as I try to understand what it means to be a good follower of Christ Jesus, and I see this church, you know, finding acceptance in this letter from the apostle Paul as he is writing to them. He says, Man, y'all keep up the good work then for me, I see that maybe there's something there that I can glean from this truth and understand about my life and how I can be a better follower of Jesus and not just a fan. And so what Paul says in verse 5 becomes hugely important for me as an individual follower of Christ. You see, what Paul says next is hugely important. He says... He says, I am thankful for you in every remembrance of you. Every time I think of you, I am thankful for you. And then he says this, and maybe maybe every time we've ever read this, we just sort of skip over this. But look at this with me, if you will, in verse 5. He says, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Paul reveals what is not only pleasing to him, but is no doubt pleasing to God. When he says, the the reason that I thank God for you over and over and over and over every time I think of you, the reason I think of you is because I can't help but think about the reality that you have partnered with God 
in advancing his kingdom for his glory. And this is significant. This is huge for anyone who is looking to understand what it means to to be a follower of Christ Jesus, to partner in the gospel as, as followers of Christ. It is so important that we understand, we embrace, and we participate in that which the gospel calls us to do. Let me say that again. It is so important that we understand, that we embrace, and we participate in that which God has called us together to do. You see, there are those that come into the life of the church and they understand clearly what the purpose of the church is, but that's as far as it goes. They go, wow, I like what this church is doing. They're doing great things, but, you know, I'm happy where I'm at. And so that's not being fully involved in in partnering with the gospel. There are others that would come in here and say, wow, I I like what the church is doing. I I think it's a great thing that they're doing. I I give it my full support, you know, as as I tell others about it but they're not participating in that which God has called them to do. And what I believe that Paul is bringing to to us as as a bit of an awareness about this church is that not only do they understand the need to embrace and to participate in the gospel, but they are participating in the gospel. They're being followers of Christ Jesus. They're pursuing Christ. They're loving Jesus. They're, they're, They're worshiping God. They're doing all of those things, but they're also involved in this grand participation, this grand partnership for the sake of the gospel. They're putting actions to their beliefs. They're they're belonging. They're not just going to church, they're being the church. And my friends, there's a huge difference there. And so here we see the Apostle Paul as he writes this. And he brings time into the equation. We see that. And that's why we're talking and looking at this, this passage as we talk about God's plan for our time. Because he doesn't say this. He doesn't say, listen, I'm thankful for you Because I thought about how you have in the past, from time to time, partnered with the gospel. You know, you've partnered in this partnership for the gospel. No, he says from the first day until now. In other words, he brings a a timeline into into play. And he says, since the day that you gave your life to Christ, since the day that God brought you together as a local church, since the day that you... You came to understand what the gospel was presenting until today you have been participating in the gospel. What Paul's revealing to us is that they used their time wisely. And they used their time for God. And they used their time for discipleship. And they used their time to advance the kingdom of God. R.C. Sproul, he says this, and I think this is really a great way to say it. He says, we do not segment our lives giving some time to God, some for, the busy, for our business or schooling while keeping parts to ourselves. The idea to live all of your lives in the presence of God under the authority of God and for the honor and glory of God, that is what the Christian life is all about. My friends, we can't put Jesus on a shelf after church. We can't select as a follower of Christ Jesus to walk into the church on Sunday morning and pretend as though Monday through Saturday didn't matter. 
We don't have that privilege as a follower of Christ. What Christ has called us to is to honor God with our time from the beginning to now. Every part of it, every bit of it, we are called to, to live out our life as followers of Christ Jesus and to participate in the advancement of his kingdom for his glory. All of it. I love hearing the stories of how businessmen, how they bring the gospel into their business by doing Bible studies or, 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 or just all the other things that they do uh, with, with, by, by just glorifying God, even in the, in, in the sense of business. I love hearing how school teachers have, have, have shared in so many ways with the kids in which they are called to teach you see for so many teachers it's not a job of just bringing education into the room it's about impacting a life forever and i know what the laws say about that but a lot of them man they just give it all i'm thankful for our teachers i'm thankful for our nurses i'm thankful for all the people amen i'm thankful for all the people who say jesus matters to me and i can't put him on the shelf when church is over I'm thankful. I recently saw a study that revealed the top three ways that we fail to honor God with our time. Here's the top three ways that we fail to honor God with our time. Number one, when we don't invite Jesus into our life daily. Number one, when we don't invite Jesus into our life daily. Every morning should begin with us waking up and thinking of God thinking of Christ and what He has accomplished for us. Every morning should begin with us putting on the armor of God that we may walk out into this world protected. Every morning should, should begin with us thinking about how we can live for Jesus. But the number one way that we fail to honor God with our time is that we don't invite Jesus to go along with us. Jesus, I, I, I'm putting you in this box uh, you know, church was good. Thank you for meeting me there. It was awesome. I'll see you next week. So that's one way we fail to honor God with our time. Number two, uh, this one was uh, uh, one that also struck me. Number two, we refuse to belong and participate in the local church. You see, Jesus founded the church. There's a big movement today that says, well, you know, you can, you can have Jesus, but you don't have to have the church you know when the day that we say we don't need the church is the day that we decapitate christ jesus because you see the church is the body and he is the head we can't separate the two jesus is the one who founded it he is the one who started it he is the one who instituted it so we can't have jesus without the church and we can't have the church without jesus they go hand in hand together he is the head we are the body and so the second way that we fail to honor God with our time is to refuse to belong and participate in a local church. And I, and I know, here's what we know, that formal men, uh, membership is, is, is not found in Scripture. But I'll tell you what is, partnership. We see it in Acts 2, and we see it here in our text, where Paul says, every time I think about what you're doing, I thank God for your partnership. You know what partnership is? It's, it's, it's the people of God coming together and using their resources, their time, their talents, and their treasures, using their resources to impact a community for Jesus. And ultimately, the world. And so here we see 
these things. The third thing that we fail to honor God with our time is this, is that we fail to serve within the local church. So it's not just belonging and participating in the local church. It's, it's we fail to serve in the local church. Around here we say this, you know, serve your church, serve your city, and serve your world. That's what we see Scripture to point to. As we think about our role in God's kingdom, our role as followers of Christ Jesus, serve your church, serve your city, serve your world. This is, this is how we use our time to honor God. And so these are things for us to think about. John Maxwell said this one time. He says, we are designed to need God and each other. No one has all the skills, the gifts, or the wisdom necessary for a successful life. We are exhorted to use the gifts we receive, the talents and the unique bents of our created nature as well as our spiritual gifts to serve one another. We're going to be talking about that next week in, in more detail as we talk about our, our talents, the things that we're good at. What he says is we've been brought together for a purpose. Max Locato, he says this, he says, The temptation with hobbies is to use them as an escape from life and consequently from God. They can rob us of our time, become idols in our life, and distract us from our regular occupation of glorifying God in everything. That's really one that impacted me. Because I've got hobbies. There are things that I enjoy doing. In fact, Linnell, not too long ago, said to me, she says, you got more hobbies than anybody I know. told her, I just want to experience life, girl, you know. There's nothing wrong with hobbies. There's nothing wrong with sports. There's nothing wrong with extracurricular activities as long as they don't distract us from God. And that's the point that Jesus is making here. He's not saying give up all your hobbies, give up your life. No, there are in fact opportunities in those hobbies that we have an opportunity to advance the kingdom of God. But what he says is this, he says, make sure that your time is honoring to God 24-7. Make sure that as you live this life, as you do life with one another, as, as you go into that place where you work and play and relax and, and, and do all those things, that as you go into those places, make sure that you use your time to bring glory to God. And that's the point that is being made here in this passage, Galatians 5, 1, 3, this, this church where Paul had written and he said, Oh, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Who has messed you up? He says to them, he says, for you were called to freedom, brothers. In other words, you have the freedom to live your life, to, 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 lead, to live your life free of sin, in fact. You, you have been called to freedom, brothers. He says this, and he says, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So Paul, writing to the Galatians, he says, man, who has messed y'all up? certainly you have the freedom to live your life for Jesus Christ, but make sure that the flesh is not driving you, but rather the Holy Spirit of God is driving you to be a better part of advancing the kingdom of God, of bringing glory to Jesus in everything that you do. Live your life for the glory of God. So what do we do with this? 
How do we respond to Jesus calling us to follow Him? By the time we get to Matthew 16, verse 24, we see Jesus challenges us powerfully. He says this in 1624, He says, Then Jesus told His disciples, look at this with me if you will, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. And here's that, here's that phrase again. And follow me. I pray that this morning as we search deep within our hearts about what it means to be a disciple, what it means to be a Christian, that we would see that there's a huge difference in being just simply a fan of Jesus and being a follower of Christ. Jesus says in Scripture over and over and over, starting with His disciples and and many other people that He had conversation with, come follow Me. The greatest thing that we could do this morning is try to figure out as individual disciples, as those who have been saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus, what it means to truly be a follower of Christ Jesus. He says, deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. There is a tremendous call to absolute uh, surrender here. But though this is a tough call, the reward is matchless. Being a follower of Jesus Christ is one of the most rewarding things we can find. Being a follower of Christ Jesus truly is everything that Jesus said it was as he had this conversation with the rich young ruler. Don't let anything stand in the way of your relationship with Jesus Christ. Don't let anything stand in the way of you discovering Jesus as your Savior and the one whom you must follow. What do we do with this? How do we apply this to, the, to our life as we think about this? I, I look at this Matthew 16, 24, and I think of this. How do I pick up my cross? What does it mean for me to pick up my cross? Not your cross. Not the cross that Spence has picked up or the other pastors have picked up. But what does it mean for me to, to die to self, to, to deny self, to pick up my cross and to follow Jesus? What does that look like for me? I wrote down just a few things to sort of wrap things up with here this morning. Some questions that we must consider. Here's the first one. This is for me, and maybe it's for you. Are you willing to follow Jesus, even if it means giving up some of your close friends? Are you willing to follow Jesus, even if it means giving up some of your close friends? I think that's a legitimate question that some of us may need to ask ourselves I know I've had to ask this question in my life. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says this, Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Some translations say bad company ruins good morals. 
Sometimes the company we keep, we're not strong enough in our faith to keep that company. And maybe for some of us here today, being a true follower of Christ Jesus means maybe switching gears a little bit with the company that we choose to keep. I don't know. That's a question you have to ask. That's a question that you have to answer. I can't answer that one for you. It's just one I wrote down. Here's another question I wrote down. Are you, David, are you willing to follow Jesus even if others might think it's foolish? Am I willing to follow Jesus even when others may mock me? I've been in situations before, even where I I prayed in a restaurant when I finished praying, I look up, there are people laughing at me because I prayed. Because they see my faith as foolishness. Let me tell you what the gospel says. I love what we see in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, where Paul writes these words. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jews first and also the Greeks. I am not ashamed of the gospel. How many of you are thankful for what the gospel has accomplished in your life this morning? For what Jesus has done in your life this morning. Why would we ever be ashamed of that? So sometimes following Jesus may, be follow, may mean following Jesus even if others think it's foolish. And then here's the third one that I wrote down for myself. Are you willing to follow Jesus if it, mean, if it means losing your job? Or what about your life? I don't think I have to worry about the job part. <laughs> I think I'm in the right career path for that. But, uh, but what if it means losing my life? You know, one of the most significant books I read when I surrendered to the call to ministry was a book called The Book of the Martyrs. And it was so encouraging to me because the book is just one story after another of people who were willing to die for their faith. And the reality is most of us come in here every single Sunday. We come into this place and worship throughout the week in a Bible study. And we never give thought to losing our life for our faith. But that's simply not a reality in our world today. In fact, there are a lot of people in other places of this world who have to make a decision. Am I willing to follow Jesus even if it means I may die a horrible death? And what's so encouraging to me is that there are people who say, yes, I'm willing to follow Jesus, even if it means I might die. Here we worry about somebody laughing at us over our faith. There they worry about dying for their faith. Matthew 16, 22 and 23 says this, For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Here, talking about the reality that we are to deny self. Not necessarily die physically for our death, but die to that old self that we may become followers of Christ Jesus. He says in verse 26, 25 and 26, excuse me, he says, For what will it profit if a man gains the whole world 
and yet forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but he forfeits his soul? Jesus was very concerned with how we use our time and our talents and our treasures. And he spoke about it all the time. And the one thing that we see over and over and over that Jesus is telling to those who he's speaking with are three words. Come, follow this morning as the band comes up and leads us in this last song our pastors are down front if you'd like to come and speak to one of them about what it means to be a follower of Christ Jesus this altar is open if you want to come and pray you know one of the things I'm praying for is I'm praying for revival I'm praying that that God would awaken my heart my life that he would bring revival into my life and that's not something that we shouldn't all be praying for I mean, honestly, we should be praying for revival every single day of our lives. That each and every day we would say, God, awaken our hearts to even more than what you have revealed before. Awaken our hearts, God, that we can truly understand and embrace and participate what it means to be a follower of Christ Jesus. And so this altar is open for prayer. Maybe your greatest response this morning is to stand and to sing with everything you've got sing and worship God through song if you want to talk to us after the service we're available down front in the connection room but this morning let every one of us evaluate where we stand with Christ let every one of us ask the question am I a fan or am I a follower let us ask God to continue to reveal to us the things that are that which are most important in our life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, God, for all that you are. Thank you, Father, for life and life abundantly. Thank you for eternal life. God, thank you for salvation. Thank you, God, that, that everything begins with us being saved by your grace through faith in Christ Jesus, that we, God, would know that, God, we are recipients of that which we honestly don't even deserve. But God, by your grace and by your power, by your unending love, by your, your faithfulness to us, Father, we can not only understand what it means to be a follower of Christ Jesus, by your Spirit moving within us and revealing truth to us, God, we can understand more than just what it means to be a Christian. We can move into a time of giving our life to you, surrendering it all to you, we may find that we are using our time and our talents and even our treasures wisely as we pursue what it means to be individual followers of our Savior. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.